and welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peterson. With all the buzz around Climate Week, we thought it'd be great to do just a really quick record with a couple of Anthesians who are there and experiencing to get their take on how the week has been, what they've learned, and uh, where things are going. So I'm really pleased to be joined by Courtney McCorston, who is a Principal Nature and Climate Risk Consultant in Anthesis's Climate Practice, and Jake Lipton, who's partner with Walbrook and head of the U.S. Business, who is one of the newest uh, organizations to partner with Anthesis. So welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining. And maybe just before we hop into it, Jake, do you want to just give a kind of super quick introduction to Walbrook for anybody who isn't familiar with them? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So, um, yeah, we as Walbrook, we've been part of the um, Anthesis family since May. Walbrook is a investigations firm that specializes in ESG and human rights. We set up the firm uh, just over five years ago, got certified as a B Corp and really specialize in um, facilitating responsible business practices worldwide. And we do that by helping our clients um, identify material um, ESG and human rights risks, especially as pertaining to the sort of G and S aspects of ESG um, to ensure their suppliers, any assets they acquire or operate are um, operating with the sort of highest standards of um, integrity and governance. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here and look forward to uh, sharing a few impressions about our experiences over Climate Week in New York. Great. Yeah, so excited to have you and the team in and to kind of dive into this conversation. So maybe to kick us off there, Courtney, do you want to just give us kind of your impression of what it has been like over the week? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, you know, really a common theme we see coming out of a lot of these conferences is that overall feeling of positivity and the vibrancy of just having everyone who has a really uh, a common goal and common passion um, be together in one collective space, um, discussing, discussing the issues that, uh, you know, are present in our society. Um, so I think that's kind of been been the main takeaway. It was um, it was a great week. A lot of conversations going on. Um, you know, we had Climate Week going on. There was the Nature Positive Hub. There was also the World Biodiversity Summit, um, and then the UN General Assembly. So a lot of people uh, really all congregating in New York uh, for the the full week just to discuss um, and focus on this common theme. Great, and Jake. Is that your experience as well? Yeah, I mean, I would echo that. I think uh, selfishly as a native New Yorker, we always think that uh, we're at the center of the world, but certainly for the past week plus, it has uh, uh, felt like that um, even more so as with respect to climate and obviously, you know, the amount of heads of state and world leaders who were in town, which although it made traffic even worse than it usually is, um, certainly facilitated a lot of um you know, really fulsome discussions about how, you know, we as consultants and by extension, responsible corporate citizens can truly find impactful solutions to, you know, address the climate crisis. Um, so happy to talk more about sort of some impressions we had just from our meetings and conversations with clients over the past week. But I think overall, you know, sitting here on a Friday and a sunny day, um, you know, we are really encouraged about a lot of the momentum that seems to be building in this in this space, not only in New York, but, you know, in the U.S. and hopefully the world more generally. Yeah, it's always exciting to see groups come together. And Courtney, I think that term vibrancy is such a great way to put it. That's always the feel in New York. It's nice when it's focused in on sustainability topics, though. You know, 
there have been so many headlines as somebody that wasn't there that we've been seeing coming out of it, um, et cetera. I'd be curious to hear from you two as you kind of navigated through that, experienced it. What were a couple of highlights of things that you feel are really kind of critical for people to be aware of as they reflect on the week? Yeah, I can I can jump in here. Um, I think for me, the, the biggest highlight of this week is the fact that nature is really having its moment. Um, you know, when we think about historically climate week, it used to uh, really be fully focused on climate. Um, but this week, uh, we saw a massive shift in integration of more of those nature and social aspects. Um, and so I think that that was really uh, an exciting thing to be a part of um, and to be there while that was happening, you know, on Monday with the launch of uh, TNFD. So the task force on nature related financial disclosures um, happened at the New York Stock Exchange. So talking about nature and biodiversity um, really at the hub of finance, um, really showing that shift and move towards more of a bioeconomy, I think, was um, a really critical piece. Um, and something else that I, I, I will say is um, at the start of these or at the center of these conversations where we're talking about nature, uh, also the integration of the social aspect. Um, so there's a lot of conversations when we're talking about nature and nature based solutions of incorporating the people component. So indigenous peoples, local communities at the center of the solutions that we're proposing for the climate crisis. Um, and so I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I can sort of pull on that thread a little bit, especially as it pertains to kind of the intersectionality of, um, you know, climate risks and things like labor rights risks and just generally human rights, you know, basic concept of human rights and a lot of human rights due diligence is really, you know, the work that we do is identifying the impact on vulnerable populations and helping um, to find solutions to ultimately mitigate them. And, you know, <clears throat> for clients that can mean things and, you know, having awareness of um, if you have within your supply chain or any assets you acquire, you know, workers in the global South and outdoor factory settings, ensuring that there's heat policies in place to, you know, really protect them from rising temperatures so that they can work in a place that's um, safe and secure. And, things like land usage. And I think there's just awareness building of, you know, if you acquire land, um, you know, who, who did it belong to? Um, who, who was living there? Who's currently living there? Who's on the surrounding area? And, and what impact does that have on, you know, indigenous populations? So, you know, I think obviously there's sort of well-established frameworks to measure, um, you know, environmental data. Measuring the human impact is more challenging. Um, but, I do think that there is at least recognition of the need to incorporate that into a lot of this analysis. And the, really the best way to do that is to physically go and visit sites, talk with people on the ground, speak with people um, so that you can get those local perspectives in a more unfiltered uh, way to you know, inform how you approach and consider on the ground risks, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll... I'll um, add on to that as well. I think what was interesting is it's looking at that, you know, not only the impact that you have on these local communities, but a lot of the conversation was also how do we incorporate their perspectives in driving the solution? So ensuring that, um, you know, when we're talking about solving the climate crisis, it's incorporating aspects like nature, but also people. 
Um, and so one of the, the panels that I went to was really talking about uh, trusting Indigenous people. They've been doing this for much longer than we have. They know the solutions. They know what needs to be done um, in order to um, sustainably manage the land. You know, they're very much more connected to the land than uh, someone who's not living there, hasn't been living there. Um, and so really trusting their perspective and their input into all of this, I think, has been um, a really critical aspect. Well, I think really interesting to hear, you know, we're talking about climate week and I know you both have made the point of it's fascinating to see how these additional issues are being pulled into that, right? And the social aspect, the biodiversity, the nature elements, et cetera. You know, maybe Jake reflecting on the social side and then Courtney, it'd be great to hear from your perspective. Do you see a significant shift in the way that that's being viewed or experienced at the events and really being thought about with that? Do you feel like we're at the early stages of that? You know, with TNFD, do we feel that we're at the kind of concluding stage or we're starting to catch up to where we are in climate? Maybe, Jake, do you want to start first on the social side? Yeah, I, I think the really the perspective I'd share there is there's broad recognition among financial sponsors and corporate clients that we're moving from a regime around whether it's ESG or climate that was largely disclosure based um, to one that's more regulatory based. And I think with that evolution comes, you know, the imperative on us and on our clients to not only sort of intake data, but also corroborate and verify information. Um, and that I think is obviously a burden, but it also drives impact because I think when it comes to, let's say, um, material ESG disclosures and data around climate. Ultimately, if uh, there's a lack of integrity in those disclosures, as in they are not accurately reflecting, let's say the impact of your scope two or scope three emissions, or not accurately reflecting how you're impacting um, workers in your supply chain or local communities on the ground, I think ultimately you won't be able to have the impact or your intended impact. Um, and not only will your stakeholders begin to see through that, but there could be regulatory consequences, particularly as things continue to evolve in that space in Europe and uh, in the US as well. Yeah, and on the, the nature perspective, um, I, I think I, I agree with all of that. You know, the, the mandatory to or the voluntary to mandatory shift is something that I think will will very closely follow what we're seeing with climate. Um, so with climate, you know, we had TCFD, the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures. Now following that, we have TNFD. Um, we had science-based targets for climate, and now we have science-based targets for nature. And so we're taking a very similar approach. And something that I think was a, a common theme we heard was we're trying to uh, learn almost from the mistakes of climate or, or learn so we can go faster than climate. Um, we don't have the luxury of time with nature and we can't wait another 20 years to get to the space um, and to the maturity that we are right now with climate, with nature. And so learning and taking the, the same pathways, um, I think is, is a, a, something we're gonna see in the next couple of years. The ISSB, you know, already hinting at they're going to be focused on nature in the next coming years. Um, and so I think that's a big uh, highlight of really nature is going to be part of the conversation. And really, when we're thinking about this, one thing to, to keep in mind is 
We don't want to be going through this and say, okay, climate's over here and nature's over there. It needs to be thought of as an integrated approach. These two play off of each other. You know, what impacts nature can impact climate and vice versa. And so we really need to think about them um, as an integrated solution. Even when we're thinking about risk assessments, you know, if you go through a climate risk assessment, uh, you should also look at that from the nature and social perspective. One risk can exacerbate another risk uh, and they can have compounding implications. So making sure you're looking at both of them in the same vein um, in order to fully understand, you know, what is your your company wide risk exposure? You can't just look at climate. Um, you know, it has to be looked at in both the, the social and nature component as well. Yeah, Courtney, maybe that's a great transition to kind of the final question we have, which is, you know, there's so much going on. I think, you know, a lot of our clients, partners, people we work with, there was a certain satisfaction of like, okay, we're just focusing in on climate. We're getting our arms around that. Now we can breathe. And appropriately, we're now bringing in kind of those next levels, right? Of like, Jake, to your point, really understanding what are the impacts on the ground for indigenous populations, global impacts from a social perspective, Courtney, the nature side. So would love to hear from both of you as you reflect on this week, the attention that's been on New York, climate, social, nature. What are one or two kind of actions that you would kind of recommend to the listener to kind of carry their efforts forward? Maybe, Jake, do you want to kick that off? Sure. I mean, I think the sort of broader theme I would underscore is we've done a really good job throughout this week. And a, a lot of folks have, of diagnosing the problem of building broad-based awareness of what the problems are. Now I think it's time to implement solutions and take actions that will, you know, address the risks and ultimately do um, some sort of mitigation into those. So one example is, um, you know, human rights impact assessments when you're operating in certain high risk um, geographies, for example, Brazil, knowing there are obvious interrelationships between things like deforestation and land use and indigenous rights, really the only way to, I think, fully get your head around what is going on is to um, do a broad-based assessment that includes site visits, that includes interviews with stakeholders, that includes, you know, review of all the sort of data sources that would go into that kind of assessment. And then ultimately, not just diagnose the problem, but implement the recommended solutions that folks with the depth of scientific or human rights or environmental expertise will come up with. Um, you know, these aren't coming out of thin air. They're based on sort of collective years of on the ground operations with NGOs and in other sectors that can figure out what works and what can ultimately sort of be part of the solution. So I think that's what I'd underscore is, you know, the need to take action rather than just sort of continue to build awareness. Yeah, I would second that. I, I really think the the key thing here is don't wait. Um, the term nature, I think, can be very overwhelming for companies. Um, you know, like you said, just getting a handle of climate. Now we're having to consider nature. What does that mean? Um, and really just emphasizing getting started where you're at. Don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, identifying, you know, where are we at now? What can we do to get started and iterate over time? You know, we, there's frameworks, there's tools out there that can be leveraged. Um, you can debate on the nuances of all these all we want. But like I said, we don't have that time. We don't have that luxury. We need to get started. 
Uh, usually what we see is risk assessments are a really good place to start. So understanding your impacts on nature, your dependencies on nature, um, and the risks and opportunities that come with this to not only understand that risk exposure, but also uh, to identify those strategic investment priorities. What would be the best first step to take? Um, and so I think that would be kind of the big action item from all of this. Great. Well, let's let's cut it off there. I know there's so much more to dig into, so much more in each of those threads to, to explore, but really appreciate uh, the time from both of you and a chance to hear kind of your impressions of the week and kind of what that means for us going forward. So thank you both so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Great. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate uh, your time and interest. Hopefully that you found this uh, valuable and inspiring to move your efforts forward. As always, there's more information on the anthesisgroup.com website, um, and you can reach us at our first.lastname um, at anthesisgroup.com. So thank you all very much and take care.